because we're going to start a four-part series, and I've always looked into giving a message on this. This is one of my favorite things to study, to talk about, to teach on. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, or a four-part series on now generosity, on giving. And I think for the Christian believer, it's important that generosity is something that we look forward to, that generosity is something that not only that we study, but that we want to live out. We have said it before that you are never more like Jesus than when you love people, than when you serve, or than when you give. And I love this aspect of generosity. And for the next four weeks, we're going to really learn what is it that Paul in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians and in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, what is it that he wants to tell us when it comes to giving? We've titled today's message, A Call to Generosity. A Call to Generosity or A Call to Generous Living. And I pray that after these four weeks, it would be embedded in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, that we would become better givers. And when I say givers, that we would be better givers when it comes to giving to the Lord, that we would be better givers when it comes to extending our hands to reach out to those that are in need around us, that we'd become better givers when it comes to being generous with our time, with our love, with forgiveness, that we would be generous when it comes to these things. Because generosity is a way to test, and I, and I really pray that you remember this part, generosity is a way to test the sincerity of your love. You want to know if you really love someone, now how much time or how generous are you with your resources, with your time, with your talents, how generous are you if you really love them? And here exactly, Paul is telling the church of Corinth in chapter 8, I'm going to test how much you love. I'm going to test the sincerity of your love by your generosity. He almost uses generosity as a way of measuring now how much they love the Lord. He's going to use their generosity to test that. It was amazing this last week, uh, last Sunday at our prayer service, to hear the different testimonies of generosity that were taking place during our week of prayer and fasting. I remember one family, a, 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 a gal here in the church, that she said, you know what, well, well, our family struggles with our finances, and the Lord put it in my heart to give to this family in our church and the body here. And, and that's something that I struggled with, but when I did so, then my husband called me, she said, and she, he told me that this job that he was working on, he got paid double it because he did so well, and the, the Lord just blessed us in that area. And how life-giving generosity can be. We had a brother last week that, that came to church, and he came only for one reason. He had to work on Sunday. And he had to work on Sunday, and it was told to me that he came and. He came only for the sole reason earlier, before the, the service began, he came only for the sole reason to be able to give his offering, and then he went to work. <laughs> and I was like, what an example that is to us. Because he said, I, I no longer will go back to the days, he told me. I no longer will go back to the days where, where they pass down that plate or that bucket or the little bag at, at church and I, I put $20 as if, if giving to God was some kind of charity. I will never go back to that day after everything that God has given me. And He takes giving seriously. I pray that we would take giving seriously in our church. That we would take it seriously and that we would not look as giving as some type of charity to the Lord. 
But that we would take our giving as something that really measures and tests our faith and our love for God. Because when you give, you're saying, Lord, I trust you. Even when I don't have those resources, I am trusting you. You're demonstrating faith. You're also demonstrating love. You're saying, Lord, I love you. And I know that I'm giving you out of the abundance of what you've already given me. I'm giving it to you because it belonged to you first. In fact... This year we have said that we're going to be a church that is rooted and grounded in love. And a part of that is that when you're rooted, when you're grounded, there's fruit in your life. We talked about it last week. Abiding produces fruit. It produces the nature of Christ. In Galatians 5.22 it says that the fruit of the Spirit in that is kindness. Now the word kindness is from the word that we get grace. And that word grace stems from the word or where we get our word generosity. Now, do you see that kindness and grace and generosity are all a fruit of the Spirit? That means that when we are connected, rooted and grounded in love, when we are becoming more like Christ, we are also becoming more generous. Because that's what's part of kindness, our generosity. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity. In fact, our God, our Father demonstrated His love for us through generosity. What does the Bible say in John 3.16? For God so loved. What comes after that? That He gave. (laughs) And He didn't just give anything. He gave what was most sacrificial, most precious, most valuable to Him, which was His only Son. For God so loved that He so gave. That's so awesome. And then you go to 1 John 3.16 and it says, By this we know love, that because He laid His life down for us, that we ought to lay our life down for our brethren. Do you see how giving up of yourself also measures up your love? By this we know love, that because He gave His life for us, we ought to give our life for other people. We ought to lay our life down. And that's exactly what Paul is going to teach us. Generosity. Right? Generosity. We're reading a book with our leadership and the man. And we went to a section that it comes and it speaks about giving in the church. And the book is called A Measure of a Healthy Church. And the book taught and it read and it actually was, uh, was writing, the author was writing that statistics demonstrate that the average Christian or believer that goes to church will give 2% only of their income. Now think about that, 2% of your income. And I pray that that, that that would not be the case. After we consider how generous God has been with His love, after we consider how loving and generous God has been with His mercy, after we consider how generous God has been with forgiveness, That we would say, Lord, I want to give you in every season of my life. And before we go into chapter 8, I I, I really want to stress the fact that there are three ways in where God calls us to give. Three ways on how He calls us to give. And And I really pray that you remember these three ways. Number one, God wants you to give sacrificially. God wants you to give cheerfully, number two. And God wants you to give faithfully how is it that God wants me to give you would ask yourself well you know what I don't know if 
You know, right now I'm not abounding with my finances. Right now I'm not in a place where, you know, where I feel very comfortable when it comes to giving. Or I, I don't know how I'm supposed to give. Well, the Bible teaches us that we ought to give sacrificially. The Bible teaches us that we ought to give cheerfully with a good attitude and motive. But the Bible also tells us that we ought to give faithfully. Faithfully. You see, Paul here in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, he wants the church to learn to not only give, but also to excel when it comes to giving. To be excellent in the way that you give. And I want you to ask yourself today, am I excellent in the way that I give to God? Is it, do I consider this an excellent way of giving to God after everything that He's given to me? Do I tithe and do I give my offering in such way that it demonstrates a faithfulness and a love and a sincerity of love to the Lord? I've heard people say, well, you know what? Well, that tithe, that was of the law and that was a, 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 just an example, a, a measurement that they use under the Old Testament to give to the Lord. And then I read one day that someone said, if in the Old Testament under the law, they gave 10%, if under the law they gave 10%, how much should we give under grace now? <laughs> well, isn't that eye-opening? If under the law we just gave a minimum of 10%, now that we live in grace, we ought to give cheerfully, sacrificially, and faithfully, faithfully to the Lord. It was Randy Alcorn that said this, Too often we assume that God has increased our income to increase our standard of living. When His stated purpose is to increase our standard of giving. <laughs> How many times have you thought, you know, the Lord, you blessed me with a raise. This is for, so that I can increase my standard of living. When the Lord said, no, I want you to increase your standard of giving. And that's exactly what I want us to learn this next four messages. That we would increase when it comes to our standard of giving. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 now as we begin reading. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And not only as we hope, but, but first, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So that we urge Titus that as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, in all your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this exhortation. We thank you, Lord, because you are teaching us to trust you, Lord, in our giving. And I pray, Lord, that this would be something that you would stretch us in. That we wouldn't just give you some type of charity or a leftover of our finances or what is leftover, Lord, after we have taken care of our 
primary responsibilities, Lord, but that our primary responsibility would be to give to You. And we ask, Lord, that You would change our hearts when it comes to this subject. Lord, because You love a cheerful giver. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. Now it says here, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. What is he saying here? I want you to know, brethren, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, how God is using by His grace the churches of Macedonia. I want you to know. We want to make it known now. We want you to realize this, how God is using these churches in Macedonia, how the grace of God is so heavily upon them, this testimony of how God is using these churches. Now, what's important to know about the churches in Macedonia, there were three churches. It was the church of Philippi, the church of Thessalonica, and the church of Berea. The church of Philippi, Thessalonica, and of Berea. Now, I want you to know this. That before we go into how God is using these churches, we have to realize that these churches are small churches and these churches are very poor churches. <laughs> now, do you see how we're about to get an example from a very small and poor church on the way that they gave? You know, it's been very noted that in the church, the people that give the most are those that have the least because they realize Everything that God has given him, I must give to him. Do you see that it was these poor, small churches that are going to teach us to learn from them, to learn to give to the Lord, those with the least resources? They give in every season. They're sacrificially giving to the Lord. Someone would ask, you know, ask me once, when is it that I should give to the Lord? The best answer, in every season, give to the Lord. <laughs> Should I give to the Lord when I'm abounding or when maybe I, I don't have enough? But look, look what here he's going to tell us through the churches of Macedonia. That in verse 2 it says that in a great trial of affliction, as they were going through tribulation, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. That even as they were going through trials, even as they were very poor, even as they were faced and they were being tested and they were being trialed through great affliction and they were going through these seasons of being very poor, they abounded with a joy that overflowed very rich when it came to generosity. They abounded in this joy that, that overflowed when it came to the wealth of their liberality of giving to the Lord as being noted as liberal givers. Sometimes we say, well, I'm going through a lot right now. There's trials happening in my life. I don't have those resources that I did once. But these churches of Macedonia are teaching us something. That they were giving even in great trial. Do you notice that in verse 2? That in great trial, although they were being tested, they still were being faithful when it came to their giving. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, they were being tested by many troubles, and they were very poor, but they were also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in generosity. Do you know that generosity actually stems from being now overflowing with joy? 
When you're overflowing with joy with what the Lord is doing in your life, you know what that overflows as? That overflows as generosity. I am joyful for everything that God has given me, everything that God is doing in my life that I overflows in abundant giving. This is exactly what was taking place in this church. That they were learning to be sacrificial givers as they were living for the Lord only. And this is something important that we ought to learn. I think it's such a blessing when you meet those people in your life that have the gift of giving. Have you ever met someone that has a gift of giving that all they want to do, they just want to give. And the more that they give, the more the Lord is blessing them. In fact, I've noticed that in, in, in some people's lives that the Lord is blessing them and blessing them. And all they want to do is just give to other people. And in fact, they're like a fountain, right? That as much as it comes in, that's exactly what's coming out because they realize it's of the Lord for the Lord, right? I love in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, where it says that if you have different gifts to use them. But in Romans 12, verse 8, it says, He who exhorts, then exhort, use that gift. But he who gives, show it with liberality, show it liberally. If God has given you that gift, He put it in your heart, don't just think about it. It'd be nice to give. Don't just say, you know what, well, yeah, God has given me. I think I'm going to give. No, when God gives you that gift and says, you know what, He placed it in your heart, give with all liberality. Be noted to be giving with liberality. Later on in that chapter, Romans 12, 13, that He exhorts the church to distribute to the needs of the saints and be given to hospitality. What is he telling them? He's teaching them to give and to meet the needs. Do you know that every time that you give, you are meeting the needs in the body of Christ? Do you know that every time that we decide to be generous in our giving, we are meeting the needs in the house of God? That's exactly what he's going to give us from this example, that even when the churches were poor, even when they were going through trial, they had so much joy that abounded, that overflowed in generosity. Now verse 3, let's read what it says. For I bear witness, I am a witness, he's saying, that according to their ability, yes, and I, this is a verse that is so challenging to us, verse 3, I, I'm telling you that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, underline beyond their ability, they were freely willing See, they, they did not only give according to their ability, they gave above and beyond. Isn't this amazing? That these poor churches that said, these churches didn't give only according to their ability, only according to what they could give. That this is an example for us to follow. That's exactly why he is writing this to us. But he's saying they were known for their generosity, that they didn't give according to their ability, but yes, and beyond, above and beyond when it came to their giving. What does it tell us in verse 3? Yes, they freely were willing. Now Paul here is telling us, is teaching us, he's testifying, he's saying, you know what, they, they gave as a poor church. Not only as much as they could, but beyond what they could. They started to give sacrificially. Far more abundantly, they gave without reservations. They gave beyond their ability because they were giving sacrificially. They were giving selflessly. They were freely willing. You know what it means to be freely willing when you give to someone? It means that you are giving expecting nothing in return. Freely. You are freely willing to give. It means that you are not forced. 
It means that nobody's begging you to give. It means that you're not giving and complaining about what you're giving. It means that when it comes to giving, that you are not now feeling that you're giving out of compulsion, but you're giving out of a desire that comes from your heart. And I love that it says freely willing because we have to understand this. We must know this. That Paul didn't have to beg this church to give. And he wasn't expecting them to give just any gift. He knew that there would be churches that would give beyond their ability. Right? Because they were giving from the heart. He tells us that I can testify that they did not only give what they could afford. But they gave far more than what they could afford. And they did it all in their own free will. Nobody had to tell them that. Nobody had to convince them. Nobody had to come and say, you know, we have to give. We're doing a, a fundraiser. We're, 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 you know, we, we, we really need donations. And, and we're not going to leave until, you know, uh, 10 people give $100. <laughs> as, a, as a gimmick to get people to give. There was no gimmicks to the giving of this church. They wanted to give and they found it a privilege to giving. Look how it says, they gave beyond their ability. Now, does this sound familiar for us? Do you remember in Luke 21, verse 1, when Jesus now is in the temple? And look what, I'm going to read it to you. Luke 21, verse 1, it says, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting two mites. And he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for these all gave out of their abundance, and have put in the offering for God, but she out of her poverty put in all of the livelihood that she had. You see, Jesus was there standing in the temple, and he saw a poor widow giving two little pennies. And he saw her giving two little pennies. He said, do you see that poor widow? She's giving more than all these other guys that came with their big, large gifts. Because she gave out of her poverty. That's all she had. That was her livelihood. She has nothing left over. She gave sacrificially. However, these other people came and they gave now. In proportion to their gift, they, they really didn't give much. She gave sacrificially. She gave from the heart. And he's saying, look, she gave above and beyond because she gave sacrificially. And there are times in our lives where we say, you know what? Well, I... I, I I can't afford to give to God right now. Let me tell you something. You can't afford not to give to God. You cannot afford not to give to the Lord because of the blessing that comes in giving to the Lord. You know that you can't even outgive God. There's a blessing in giving. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom or your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What measure do you want to be used to you? Just imagine that. Imagine if, if the Lord gave you just as much as how much you give Him. You know, how much is it that we would experience in His grace? But it's interesting because we're never going to be, out, be able to outgive the Lord. And there's so, such a beautiful promise in it. As we learn from this church here in Philippi, in, in Macedonia, the Thessalonians and the Bereans. 
Now verse 4, it says, imploring us after they gave above and beyond, after they freely gave, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Now, now, not only did they give freely and willing, not only did they sacrificially and selflessly give, they begged Paul, Paul, here, receive this gift that we're giving. They were urging Paul in verse 4. They were imploring. They were begging. They had an urgency. They said, Paul, this is a privilege that we get to give. And they wanted to say, you know what, Paul? Take this gift and we want to participate in supporting the church's need. It's a privilege for us to meet the needs and to be a blessing to someone else. You see how amazing this is? That he didn't only have to beg them, but they wanted to give. They found it a privilege to give. And, and, and this is incredible because oftentimes we see that, that these people that did not have a lot of resources were so generous and they were so excited. They were so ready to give. They, they urged now Paul. They said, Paul, you need to receive this gift. They were so humbled by the opportunity to give. That's amazing when you come to church and you said, I'm just so humbled with the opportunity that I get to give. I'm humbled with the privilege that I get into meeting that need of my brother and my sister. Because as a Christian, it's my responsibility. As a Christian, it is my now duty to meet the needs of the body of Christ. Now let's read verse 5. It says this. And not only that, as we had hoped, not only as we, what we expected, he's telling us in verse 5. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. By the will of God. Now this is exactly why they were giving to the Lord so much. In verse 5, and on it tells us. It says, they gave more than we hoped for. They gave more than what we had expected. They recognized for giving not only to the churches, but this is exactly why in verse 5 it would explain to us. They first gave themselves to the Lord. There, that's where it starts. You want to give to others? You want to give yourself to others? It starts by you first giving yourself over to the Lord. When you have giving yourself over to the Lord, you know what it's going to abound in? You know what it's going to give fruit to? In fact, in verse 5, it tells us, it says, They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us because they knew that is the will of God. Now, this church didn't give only the bare minimum. They did not only give what was expected, but more. And they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. You know, it is in the, in the times in our lives when we are given most over to God. When we are given most over to God in every, every area of our lives, that we can give ourselves over to others. Do you realize that? That when you are given over to God, then that means that you are living a lifestyle now of giving and of generosity and of service to others. Now this church, this is exactly what they had done. They had given themselves over to the Lord, number one. And therefore, now they can give themselves to others. See, the problem sometimes is that we're not given over to the Lord. So when we revisit and we talk about that area in our lives about giving, it does not align scripturally because we haven't given ourselves to the Lord all, 100%. Therefore, we're distracted. And we're not good stewards of what God has given us. There's so many times where we invest in a lot of things in life, but when it comes to investing in the kingdom of God, we don't invest in that. And here these people gave themselves over to God. So giving yourself over to God 
means, means visibly in giving yourself over to the needs of the church. Now, in verse 6, he encourages them like this. So we urge Titus, therefore, that as he had begun, so that he would also complete this grace in you as well. Now he's saying, you know, now that we've talked about the church in Macedonia, now we're urging Titus, who went to visit you now, Corinthians, we urge Titus that as he had begun to encourage you to be a better giver, or to begin in your giving, so that he would also complete this grace in you all. Now, one of the things that we must realize in verse 6 here, where it says that you would complete this grace in you all. Why is it that he's telling them this? Because just like Titus began to encourage the church, just like Titus went now to the church and said, you know what, I want to teach you about the different needs that are taking place in the body and how you can meet those needs. He says, I want him to complete this work. What does it mean to complete this work? I want you to be faithful in this area. That's what he's saying. I want you to be faithful in this area. And, and today let's examine that area in our lives. Are we being faithful in this area? Why does he say urge them? Because Titus had already began to teach them about the needs and about giving in the first place. But he wanted them to return now and to say, you know what? This ministry of giving, you must meet. You must meet this ministry. And he wanted to encourage them to be those faithful givers. Why? Because the Corinthian Christians and the Corinthian church now had intended to give. Yes, they had. They had thought about giving. Yes, they had. They had been even favorable to the idea that yes, we should give. But, but all of that was really useless unless they completed this grace within them. You see, it's not only enough to say, you know what, this is, this is true. We should be giving. No, you know what? This is true. We should be meeting the needs in the body of Christ. Well, yes, our love is measured in our generosity of wealth. We, we understand that. Our intentions, our vows, our resolutions. When it comes to giving, I want you to know, are useless without action. And that's exactly what he's saying. Complete the grace. Put it to action now. Put it to action. Complete this grace. Give to God the right way. Give to God the right way. Give to God sacrificially. Give to God cheerfully and give to God faithfully. Verse 7. But as you abound in everything. And I, and I love this here because he, he's almost calling them out. <laughs> and he says, just like you are excellent in all these areas of your life. Just like you are excellent in these areas when it comes to your faith. I also want you to be excellent and committed to this. There are things that we are committed in our lives. Committed to maybe a certain thing in ministry, maybe committed to uh, you know, our family, committed to raising our children in the ways of the Lord, committed to your job, just the way you're committed to everything else in life. I want you to be committed in the way that you give. Now, do you see how here he is going to really now encourage and exhort the church in this area? But as you abound in everything, and he's going to give them examples, just like you excel in many things, just like you're committed in many things. What are those many things that they excel in? In faith, in speech, or you excel because you know how to speak really well in front of people, or you're very, you're very talented, or you have gifted speakers, right? A Corinthian church, you're, you're really well known for your gifted speakers. You're really well known for your faith now. Or you're really well known right here, it says, in knowledge as well. 
Do you remember that the, the Corinthian church, they, they, were, they prided themselves in the first letter in their knowledge and their wisdom, right? Just like you pride yourself in your knowledge and in your wisdom and your gifted speakers, just like you pride yourself in your faith or even here in all diligence or in your enthusiasm and your hard work and your ethic, just like you pride yourself in all of that. I want you to also focus and excel and abound in giving just the way you abound and excel in these other areas. Now just compare the areas in your life where you are fully committed to. And, and you will sacrifice for that era. You will work hard. You will be diligent. You will get up early. You will sleep late. Because your heart is fully devoted into that. You are fully invested into it. Now here Paul is telling the church, just like you are committed in your talents, just like you're committed now in your faith, in your energy, in your work ethic, and you have this standard of excellence, just like you have a standard of excellence in those areas, I want you to have a standard of excellence when it comes to your giving. Now this is amazing for us because he's saying they're recognized in all these areas. But are you recognized by your generosity? Now you say, well, I'm well known in, in this area. I'm well known in, in this other area in my life. I, I'm well known to be gifted, to be talented, to be you know, good in, in certain talents and gifts that God has given you. But are you well known in this? Let's read the second portion of verse 7. He says, and in your love for us, you even abound in, in loving us. See that you abound in this grace also. See that you take this also seriously. Take this seriously. Take it, com commit to this seriously. Because we need to excel in this gracious act of giving, this encouragement that he's giving us. Just like you're giving over to all these areas in your life, he's saying, how are you giving over in your giving? And we've already learned that, that when you're giving over to the Lord, every kind of material giving will follow that. My heart is giving over to the Lord. Guess what happens? My giving will be giving over to the Lord as well. In Acts chapter 20 verse 35, what is it that the Lord tells us? I have shown you in every way. Acts 20 35. By laboring like this, Paul was telling them, that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus as He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I had a brother, I was growing up in, 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 you know, in church and in my youth, and there was an older brother that would always see me, and, and he knew that I served that church, and he was su such a brother that was filled with so much faith. I think I've told you guys this before. And, and every time he would come up to me, he would, you know, after I left church or before, he would give me a handshake, and he, he would smile, big smile on his face, and he would say, brother, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And in that handshake, he would slip in a 20 for me. You know, I was, as I was in high school, my high school years growing up. And after the, I, the first time, I was like, well, maybe he's just having a good day. And the second time, and the third time, he would do this always for me. You know, after that fourth time, after church, I was looking for him. I was like, where's that brother at? I want to say hi to him. <laughs> but he had the gift of generosity. He had the gift of giving. And it was so refreshing to be... To, to know someone like that because you know what giving does? It's more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to know this. Giving makes room for blessing in your life. 
It makes room for blessing in your life. There are times where we say, well, man, I'm always broke. <laughs> you ask yourself, why are you always broke then? Are you giving to God? Are you being faithful to God? Do you know that, that giving, and when it comes to your tithing and your giving, it's the only place in the Bible where God says to test him? The only time in the Bible where God says, all right, test me right now. It was in Malachi. When the Lord looked at the church and he said, you know what, you guys are robbing me. You guys are robbing me. And the church said, what, what are we robbing you of, the nation of Israel? Because you're not giving your tithing. Malachi 3.10, it says this, Bring all your tithes into the storehouses that there may be food in my house, and try me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there's not room enough to receive. Just imagine what the Lord's promise is. That He's going to bless you when you give that there's not even enough room for you to receive it. That's amazing. Has the Lord ever blessed you where you literally there is no room to receive because you're faithful, being faithful to God? That's such a blessing. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Honor God with the first of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vast will overflow with new wine. Do you notice how it says honor the Lord with the first, not with the last? There are times where we, we are blessed by the Lord with our job and with everything that we have, all the resources. And guess what we do? We start to separate everything. And at the very last, whatever is left over, then we give to the Lord. That's not the way God wants you to give to Him. He wants you to give the first to Him, the best to Him. The first and the best to the Lord. And then everything else, guess what? He will bless you in as well. Because you're trusting Him. Because you're trusting Him with, with what you have. Verse 8, let's read this as we conclude. I speak this, not as a commandment. And I'm telling you this to excel, not because I'm commanding you. And you know why he says not as a commandment? Because he doesn't want to force anyone. The worst thing that you can do is to give forcefully. To give out of guilt. If you're going to give out of guilt, just don't give. <laughs> give out of a sacrificial, cheerful, faithful heart that is grateful. Don't give out of guilt. Give out of gratitude. Write that down, please. Your giving should not be out of guilt. It should be out of gratitude. And that's exactly why he's saying this right now. It's not a commandment. I don't, I'm not forcing you. I don't want to force anyone to give. I want them to give out of gratitude. He doesn't command them because he's not looking to put them in a position where they feel guilty for giving or for how much they give. He wants them to really demonstrate now their gratitude and their love for the Lord and for it to manifest in giving. When you love someone, you just want to give to them. Have you noticed that? When you, 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 you first you love your children or you love your spouse and you first are you're dating them and all that, you just want to bless them and surround them with, with gifts and with giving and you want them to feel loved. and it, It's an outflow of love, right? Because our giving really tests our love. Now he says this in verse 8, I speak not as a commandment, but I'm testing, look at what he says, I'm testing the sincerity of your love. I'm testing the sincerity of your love. I'm testing of the genuine, the authentic, now love that you have. I want to see how sincere love for God is. I want to see how, how the value of your love will be manifested. Now he's saying in the way you give. I'm going to test your love, how genuine, how loyal it is to God. How much the Lord has your heart. 
Because when the Lord has your heart, guess what He's going to have? Your treasure also. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, what does it say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Sometimes our treasure is in uh, careers. Sometimes our treasure is in our family, in our home, in our, you know, different gifts that God has given us. But when your treasure is in the Lord, when your heart is in the Lord, your treasure is going to follow. And that's exactly what he's saying. The sincerity of your love, your loyalty to your love. Verse 8. Let's keep reading. By the diligence of others. Now, I, I love that he says the diligence of others. Because now, in a sense, he's saying, I'm going to, going to compare now how much you love the Lord by the way that you give. Now, let's notice this. What has he already introduced them to in the first couple, chapter, in the first couple of verses now of chapter 8? He's already demonstrated the diligence of the churches in Macedonia. And now he's saying, if these poor churches that are going through trials love the Lord this much, that are giving to God this way, sacrificially and faithfully giving to the Lord as they believe it's their privilege to give to God, now how much more should you not give to them? I'm going to compare the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And this is incredible here for us because he's saying, you know what, I'm going to contrast, contrast your love by their diligence. I'm going to contrast your sincerity. I'm going to use this poor church as an example that is on fire for God now. So that it can encourage you to demonstrate now an attitude of saying, you know what, if that poor church is giving this way, they must love the Lord that, that much. Then me, that I'm blessed in the Lord, I should be demonstrating a love and a sincerity for the Lord that just now overflows in my generosity. Do you, do you, do you see how he's here in verse 8? He's saying, I'm testing now the sincerity of your love. If the Lord were to test our sincerity today, and the only way that He would use to test our sincerity is in our giving, how much of our love would be sincere? If the Lord were to say, you know what, I'm going to test your sincerity of your love. I'm going to see how much you love me. And the only way that I'm going to measure that is in your giving right now. <laughs> because Paul here is saying, I'm going to test your love by your giving. But, but also by the diligence of other people. Because your diligence speaks about your faith. Your diligence also speaks about really detecting your generosity speaks about detecting the sincerity of our love. How is the sincerity of our love when it comes to the Lord? How is it? And this is not a commandment. What are you saying? I want you to give from your heart. I want you to love the Lord. That when it comes to your giving, it would start from your heart. And I'm going to test it by the diligence of other people. If they as a poor church are demonstrating a sincere love, I want to see what kind of sincere love you will do. I want to contrast that. May the Lord always find us as a church. All of us here. Find us as a church. That don't give as a charity. Don't give to the Lord as if it were a charity giving. But that we give to the Lord as it's a calling. Because it's a calling. It's not a, giving to the Lord is not a charity. Giving to the Lord, it's a calling. And I pray that we would be serious with that calling as Paul has exhorted and encouraged us today that we would be serious 
when it comes to that calling. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for everything you have given us, Lord. Lord, we thank you because you're so generous with your love, with your grace and your mercy, Lord. You didn't withhold mercy from us. You did not withhold grace from us, Lord.